0: Well, would you look at that? It looks like we're back. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the First Rule of Film Club. Now, the First Rule of Fight Club is something about you're not supposed to tell anybody about it. But this is totally different. This is a movie podcast with me, Carson Higgins. What's going on, everybody? And basically, whoever I can get to come talk to me about movies. That's what we do here on the First Rule of Film Club. Uh, We talk about whatever the hell I want to talk about. And today, you and I are going to be hanging out with my buddy JT, and we're going to be talking about Wes Anderson. You might have uh, caught the last episode with JT and I, where we were talking about Quentin Tarantino and the Hateful Eight, and uh, we uh, really wanted to talk about Fantastic Mr. Fox with you guys. Uh, I I sit down with JT, and we have a pretty cool discussion about uh, how it it is my opinion that Fantastic Mr. Fox really is this pivotal turning point in the filmography of Wes Anderson. And so him and I sit down and we have a pretty cool conversation about that and just about how we love Wes Anderson. And you're, if you're like us and you love him too, then uh, maybe you'll enjoy this episode. Uh, if you don't already, follow uh, follow us on the Filmstruck Film Club on Instagram and Facebook and YouTube, it's a film club that I run, much like a book club. I pick a movie a week. Uh, we tend to watch a lot of things from the Criterion Channel that are also usually on things like HBO Max or Canopy, sometimes Netflix and Amazon and Hulu. But pick a movie a week that we you can watch it at your leisure whenever you like during that week, and uh, and then I usually do a little review, a little uh, little solo discussion about what I thought about the movie, and. Uh, if you are so inclined and you want to talk about it with me, then you know, shoot me a line. You can always comment on those videos or whatever. Um, but yeah, it's kind of been a fun way. I've been doing it for a couple of years now. A fun way for people to get together, um, and just kind of broaden their their film minds. I like to pick films that maybe you've heard of and never seen before, maybe you never heard of it, or maybe you've seen it a hundred times. Either way, I like to pick things that are usually considered classic films, important films, um, or just underseen international films. It's really kind of all over the place, but enough pitching the film club. We're hanging out with JT today, who does run the Quarantine Film Club on Instagram. You can go and give him a follow. He picks a movie every day. Um, It's a really fun thing. Go check that out. But yeah, we're going to sit down and talk about Wes Anderson and Fantastic Mr. Fox, Royal Tenenbaums. Grand Budapest Hotel, Moonrise King. Can- we're hitting everything, baby. So stick around. Here we are right here. So we are here. We're back. Just like that. I like that we're keeping up with our promises, JT. We're, we're talking about Wes Anderson today. Yes, we are. It's really tight. I like I like how this is turning out so far. And I like that if you're listening to this, that you're here. We're doing this, man yeah welcome back welcome back and uh yeah like we said at the end of the last pod uh we're going to be talking about wes anderson specifically about how it is my personal belief and 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 uh you know maybe you agree maybe don't but it's my belief that fantastic mr fox is a the most wes anderson wes anderson movie there is and b That he became infinitely better at making Wes Anderson films after he got a chance to do his style shot for shot in a uh, stop motion capacity. Where what do what do you think, JT? Do you think that so? uh...
1: Are you saying that because it's uh, his kind of bridge to the latter part of his career, where you think he's really hit his stride? Is that the reason it's your favorite, or is it even your favorite?
0: Well, I films? I think it. Is, I th- okay. So I I want in this moment I will I do think that it is my favorite of his films, like just top to bottom. I think it's my favorite okay. Wes Anderson movie. But I I will say too that if you look at everything before it, right, we have Bottle Rocket, Rushmore, Royal Tenenbaums, mm-hmm. Life Aquatic, Darjeeling Limited which is a, a great five or whatever movies I, I just lost count but uh bottle rocket is the first one and and is the least wes anderson film simply because he hadn't become who yeah he, yeah it's a it's a solid debut him and owen wilson wrote a great screenplay and it's a whole mm-hmm. lot of fun um no budget no budget uh just a couple of guys who wanted to make a movie sure no budget job. yeah and so then you get I rushed. think uh oh, I'm jumping the gun but you think what
1: no no, no. I was just going to say like I think as we get go along the chronology of his work I think uh that as he gets more quote unquote Wes Anderson E mm-hmm. uh you that stuff doesn't that stuff isn't cheap it requires uh the stuff he wants to do with the the elaborate sets and you know the way his camera moves and all that stuff costs money you may not see it it may not look like it on the screen but those are expensive movies for oh yeah and and there are
0: there's definitely flashes i think
1: when bottle rocket sure there, yeah there's definitely the still flashes moves, of, of,
0: of his of his shtick and I don't even like calling it shtick because it makes it seem cheap which I don't I don't know but um, anyway you get Bottle Rocket which has some you know he's blossoming Rushmore Unique. yeah exactly Rushmore he comes out guns a blazing and is like cool this is more what I want to be doing like we got Bill Murray here we got these you know the crazy diorama like sets of you know all the plays that jason schwartzman is uh producing at the school and just so many great sh- like i i think mm-hmm. of the little montage of shots where we show serpico <laughs> well yeah but when we show all the different clubs that ben has started and is the president of and like there's that iconic shot of him sitting at the go-kart with the uh, it's the cover of the criterion box that little drawing sure of him. sure And so, like, you get all these little perfectly, you know, his, like, still life shot composition thing that he gets so, so good at. Uh, and, And, you know, we'll obviously come back and talk about some of these movies. But you move on from Rushmore and you fully arrive at, like, what feels like the first American empirical picture by Wes Anderson, which is the Royal Tenenbaums, which, like... Yeah, Everything I think that's where that his—he like comes into his stride. Out, yeah, it's like from here on out, this is what my movies are gonna be like. Like the these, mm-hmm. this color palette, this ensemble, ensemble cast. Yep, yep, ensemble cast. Like this level of of dry wit, um, and yeah, we'll we'll talk about real tenements. But anyway, he sort of like falls off a little bit after that, and you may disagree. I mean, like the critics did not love. Life Aquatic with Steve zisu It's Wes Anderson's least well-reviewed film. And yeah, then...
1: it's his exactly. It's his lowest-rated, but uh yeah. happens to be my favorite. Oh, and I you're mean, not, We'll get back. Well, yeah, we'll yeah. With...
0: We're we're definitely coming back, and I and I know you're not. Alone. And that's a lot of. And people that's more of a. That and favorite. that's more thematically. Just the
1: story touches me, and I think it's oh, yeah. funny. And it's like his stoner comedy kind totally. of, and it's. Yeah, it, it is a Stoner comedy,
0: really. It has some um, of his most uh like iconic imagery. I mean, the red beanie, Bill Murray like alone just as Steve Zissou. I feel like yeah. people have him as tattoos on their body.
1: <laughs> yeah, and it's also his The Leopard like, Shark or whatever it is. It, it's his most uh R-rated to kind of. <laughs> it's like it's like his uh his inherent like well, hmm. You would compare it to like inherent vice. It's like PTA's inherent vice. Yeah, D G Zoo is Wes Anderson's.
0: Well, it's just aquatic. like yeah, I'm gonna go try to make a.
1: <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, let's just go over here and just hang out with these weirdos for a second, and <laughs> uh, they're cussing and smoking weed, and there's Willem Dafoe being just wild. You know, you just I don't know. And it, well, we can come back to it later. Oh,
0: we're right. coming back, baby. But then, so you have the St- Life Aquatic, which is not that well received by the Mm -hmm. critics comparatively to his earlier films sure sure then you have probably you know i don't have the numbers in front of me but probably his lowest grossing film the darjeeling limited comes out right after that which is also you know just barely beats life aquatic on the critics end of the spectrum and i think audiences too yeah i mean that's, that's not my favorite no, it I, I don't think it's anybody's favorite. Uh, maybe, no. <laughs> maybe it's Roman Coppola's favorite. Because <laughs> uh, yeah, he wrote it, right? <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah. but yeah, I, I do really like Darjeeling Limited. I I, I mean, need to give it another shot. Besides the point. But so you you have all of that, right? Which is like mm-hmm. the first half of of his film career to me, because we're we're reaching the pivot, mm-hmm. which is Fantastic Mr. Fox. And by getting to a it was his first if i'm not mistaken adaptation
1: uh that's true
0: so it's his first adaptation from a, a, a property that we have heard of but is not as popular as a lot of the other role doll books i mean it's not Willy wonka it's not the witches it's not the bfg it's like it's kind of that back catalog of role doll books but is, it,
1: is this his only adaptation
0: uh I I mean yes I want to say everything yes.
1: else is original right Yeah it's yeah, his yeah. only
0: adaptation And uh and it's also his first animated film and That's... it's a stop motion animated film which is just god the hardest way to make a movie in my opinion
1: <laughs> But it's also animated <laughs> to look like a Wes Anderson movie
0: Correct and so you what we have firmly established from about Royal Royal Tenenbaums till Fantastic Mr. Fox is this like diorama style of shot composition where everything is is just like perfectly placed. Any shot in a Wes Anderson movie looks like it took a long time to put together and sometimes it's just for like a brief second.
1: <laughs> and every single thing that is placed. That you can see is done for a reason,
0: mm-hmm.
1: or even or at least thought about, like to the millimeter, talking about the, sh- the and everything in the background. Like, there's three boxes stacked on top of each other, mm-hmm. you know, just in this panning, right? Uh, shot, like, like when the when Mr. Fox is uh sneaking in to steal chickens or whatever. Oh,
0: yeah, man, that and also one of my favorite sequences in Fantastic Mr. Fox is when the uh the like head contractor is walking through them building the the tree house and mm-hmm. it's like just seamlessly him being like get those over there and this over here hey bob how's it going to get some coffee like and yeah. all this is happening all around him and it's like it's perfectly like the most impressive trick that you could pull out of your hat doing yeah. stop motion film but also it's just so perfectly uh wes anderson like it's just everything is Getting put right where it belongs, and everything is just. Well, he'll show you like
1: eight jokes at once, mm-hmm. and you have about eight seconds to see them all
0: mm-hmm. and
1: process maybe half of them, so mm-hmm. that on repeat viewings, you're like, "Oh, I never noticed that uh, the little glove is missing the finger and royal right. bombs or totally. whatever," because that's
0: oh man, or yeah, because he... you know,
1: like that. There's there's just little subtle. Things that you notice on like the eighth time you see, yeah, man, I, it's these it's movies, the, and to throw that into a kid's movie, too, mm-hmm. is the really de- ambitious. The
0: details that he manages to put in everything, but it's like up until this point, right? He's been working like a normal, traditional filmmaker, working in fluid, live, real time, and by taking the meticulous uh, care that it takes to make a stop motion film and by committing to doing it still in his style. It's not like he was just breaking all of his own rules and being like, well, I'm gonna just go make a totally different movie than I normally would.
1: That's also part of the charm of Fantastic Mr. Fox. Because the whole time you're watching it, it's almost like a little inside joke for people that have seen Wes Anderson movies. He Correct. Had, he had done four movies mm-hmm. that basically, well, he had done what? Uh, before, uh, one, two, three, four, five. Is this his sixth film? Uh, I have them all right here.
0: It is his sixth film, yes.
1: Yes. And one of them where he said Bottle Rocket didn't really have his style down yet. Mm-hmm. The other one, so people that had followed his career know he's already an auteur at this point. Right. He's got a voice. Nobody's films look like his, Mm -hmm. his look like nobody else's films. It's Wes Anderson style. Boom. And so to do that in animation is almost like an inside joke. Like little kids don't know that they're just watching a fun. Totally. Animated movie, whatever. But the audiences, especially audiences who like, independent cinema or just good cinema can sit there and be like this is great mm-hmm. this is the royal tenenbaums but for kids with all these unique characters and fun little subplots it's awesome it
0: it's fantastic, <laughs> it is, it is fantastic. <laughs> uh, but so yes all, all of this is to say that if you look at even just the three movies that precede it Royal Tenenbaums, Life Aquatic, and Darjeeling Limited, right? You see a guy who has who clearly, like you said, developed his voice, has a clear vision. We as the audience and fans of his films are starting to like know what to expect and uh, start to know that we should keep an eye out for the details because that's where the beauty and all this is really going to come together. Um, then you look at the three films that come after Fantastic Mr Fox.
1: Well, just let me say one more thing about well, Mr. Fox. We're not uh, leaving
0: it forever. Oh, okay.
1: Well, then. But but great. say what
0: you want to say. We're here. Oh, no,
1: I'm just saying that the freedom that animation grants a tour is probably why this feels like his uh like just like an important uh, statement from him mm-hmm. about his style because he can do anything. He's like, this lets me have animals talking to each other and whatever, and I can fr- put everything in a shot exactly the way I want it to look. This in my brain is exactly what I want to do, yeah. instead of the limitations of live action, where you're like, oh, I can't get this, so oh, we can't really do that. He's like, nope, I could do exactly what I want to do, and mm-hmm. this is my vision. So it's just let giving him basically full creative control
0: yeah i i really like when i i remember going and seeing moonrise kingdom in the theater and just immediately in like the first 10 minutes or whatever just being like this dude got so much out of doing his thing in a stop motion capacity like getting getting to take that time it's like he it's like it's like he did his boxing montage <laughs> and if you know what i mean like he, mm-hmm. he's worked his ass off he's trained for this we're back at in the live action realm and like by god he just fucking makes at the when moonrise kingdom came out i think it, i was like that's my favorite wes anderson movie really and it still is man like right at the tippy top like i, I could interchange and that's it and so that's the thing that i'm getting at is I can interchange my favorite film of his with three and they're all his three most recent films except for Isle of Dogs. Yes. <laughs> it's Grand Budapest yeah. Hotel, Moonrise Kingdom, and Fantastic Mr. Fox. One, Depending on the day, one of those is my favorite. And and it's not See, to discount the earlier ones. It's just I think he has gotten better at doing his thing and he only does his thing, so I like the later ones.
1: Uh, Yeah, Moonrise Kingdom feels like it's It's almost got a a niche audience like uh, Life Aquatic does. Like there's Moonrise Kingdom people. Mm -hmm. And because it it reminds people of like a Goonies slash My Girl slash coming, you know, this like these coming of age movies that we grew up with Mm -hmm. that uh, it has this just kind of adventure youthful feel to it. Also, and,
0: t- uh, tell me if you agree with this. It was his most like Royal Tenenbaums since Royal Tenenbaums.
1: Uh, just in the sense that there's so many characters and so many subplots and so many like set pieces and action mm-hmm. going on.
0: Yeah, I would. Assume... I I say that because like you have the the kids in the beginning of Royal Tenenbaums. Mm-hmm. You have uh, Ben Stiller's two kids and so like that that child energy is back also that like uh seemingly modern yet like 60s 70s thing is is very present because i I forget moonrise kingdom does not take place in the present it takes place back in in some other time right i believe so i don't think there's cell phones yeah there are there are not It's it it's 1965 70. it takes place in 1965 so yeah Grand it, budapest it, it, yeah which is also wait is that it makes it what is that his first period film what's up
1: <laughs> mm, i mean because then I, grand grand budapest kind of, like
0: world two world war ii and uh, i'm really looking forward to french dispatch but we don't need to go into the future yeah i don't think any of his
1: movies take place when there's cell phones
0: shit you know what unless maybe somebody in royal tenenbaums answers a cell phone i think you're right or
1: life aquatic maybe
0: I, I can't think of it dang that's kind of cool yeah
1: they all just kind of take place in this whatever time
0: huh who to who to thunk it i like it i love it <laughs> yeah they're like
1: how do you work around the uh the no cell phone thing he's like i don't know you just Make it take place in 1995. Like, then what? you're good. And, <laughs> yeah, like just whatever.
0: Yeah, maybe one side character will have it in their car and they won't shut up about it. <laughs> yeah, we I got a car phone. First. Have you seen the car phone? <laughs> yeah,
1: and we run him off a cliff in the first act, and there you go.
0: Yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean, we I I took kind I, I kind of took my sweet ass time getting to my point about this. Uh. What what do you even call it? A touchstone? Is it is it a touchstone? <laughs> a bookmark? <Fisher? laughs> Which you... one? Uh, uh, Fantastic, Mister Mr. Fox? Fox. Like it's the it's, it's not like a magnum opus. It's uh...
1: no, I think it's more like I understand what you're <clears throat> what you're suggesting is it's like a pivot to the second half, not second half, but second phase of his career. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's hit the third phase yet uh unless french dispatch and maybe grand budapest to isle of dogs to grand or to french dispatch is going to be like his foreign period piece Mm. trilogy or something but um who knows man he's an interesting but
0: he has because like quentin tarantino we were just we talked about him just the other day but mm -hmm. he's he's trying to call it quits after 10 movies and I feel like Wes Anderson and Quentin are, are both at nine. No, they both French dispatch will be number nine or 10. That'll be number nine. Yeah, no, so 10. It'll be number 10 for Wes Anderson. So they're, they're right neck and neck, but it's, it's kind of interesting to think that like, we're at the end of Quentin's in a way and like Wes Anderson's really just hitting his stride. Fully. Yeah. Uh,
1: yeah. I I think Wes Anderson's going to be like a, not not as
0: he'll have 50
1: (laughs) yeah not as wild an output as like woody allen but he'll he'll drop like 25 on us
0: wouldn't good god damn i love that i hope you're right
1: (laughs) i think he's just like a creative
0: force like like we were saying i hope that he's just like an 80 year old man making his 100th film and we're just like wow look at us (laughs) <laughs>
1: yeah, I think he's just How like one of these we? like wildly creative auteurs where he's just like Mr. Fox is the only adaptation. I think he's only in his 40s, right? Wes Anderson? He's
0: 51. I only know that cuz I looked it 51? up this morning. He's 51. He yeah, was born so, in 1969.
1: So in 30 years he's made 10 movies. Not bad. So if he's well, if you so, really yeah, want to be I, a dick about him... it,
0: since 96, so in 20 years, he's made 10 movies.
1: Yeah, so then I could see him doing 25, 25 flicks.
0: Yeah, man. He goes 25.
1: Do you think he can go 25 for 25 positive? Like, he hasn't made a
0: bad movie. Mm-mm. I don't think he ever would because... Similar to what we've been talking about, like his his movies are so, so detail-oriented, so specific. There's so much in them that the amount mm-hmm. of thought and preparation that goes into making one, and also the team that he's assembled over the years, I just don't think that he could make a bad one because I just don't think that the people involved would ever let it get to that point. It would just be like, dude, we need to fix this. <laughs> you know what i mean because all of his films we're giving him so much credit but all of his films are such a team effort and he's just the coach like he's he's obviously the mad scientist who gets all the all the players on the team but like he uses a lot of the same people all the time oh
1: i know he's just like uh look at like ed norton's career (laughs) for the last like 10 years you're just like, all right, you got like uh, six Wes Anderson Dude, movies.
0: Ed and Norton then... and Adrian Brody. The weird. Better get him such good birthday and Christmas presents. Adrian Brody.
1: <laughs> My God. I think he just hangs out and waits for uh, Wes yeah, Anderson. It's call. like
0: Michael Madsen waiting for a Quentin Tarantino movie. <laughs> yeah, for,
1: for real. Um, oh, man. Adrian Brody. I got. <laughs> that's a whole other episode.
0: Um. Well, wait, we all want to know what's your what's your big thing about Adrian Brody? (laughs) You don't like like
1: him? I don't know if I do or not. I
0: mean, have you ever liked him? Have you liked him in anything?
1: I have not seen the Pianist. What? And I know. I mean, I just can't get geared up to watch it for whatever reason.
0: For uh, whatever reason, like the, I mean, like we it, don't know why. <laughs> there, there are a,
1: there are a lot of strikes against that movie. Let's <laughs>
0: just, let's yeah. just hit the main two. Do you want to watch a Holocaust movie about somebody suffering for two and a half hours? Not really. Do you want to support a rapist? <laughs> yeah, it's <you're just> like, <laughs> yeesh. I mean, you know, there are these these are the bridges you have to cross to go watch that movie. <laughs> So you missed out. You should have seen it when it came out, and you could have just gotten it over with. Yeah. Anyway, so you haven't seen I will, like, I it. Uh, but I did that's watch the, that's the whole reason to like him. But I did watch because of that.
1: Splice. Splice oh. is really good.
0: You watched him fuck that clone alien and you were like, This is weird.
1: I was just like, Well, <laughs> he's really he's really going for this. So but then he um, made some really poor choices, and then I read some unfortunate things on the internet, not it's all allegedly, mm-hmm, I think, mm-hmm. but it was enough to where I was like, "This dude won an Oscar. What happened?"
0: Yeah, and he beat Daniel Day-Lewis for *Gangs of New York*. I've never been sour about it. I promise. <laughs> eh, well, <laughs> it we really doesn't matter. I... I have no skin in the game. I don't vote for the Academy Awards, and you do know how I feel about *Gangs of New York*. I know everyone, oh, but knows. we're
1: talking about Wes Anderson.
0: What are yes. we even talking about? So anyway. Uh, uh, adrian brody you're welcome wes anderson anyway oh yeah that's right so check this out uh works with
1: the same people yeah yeah harvey keitel do you have
0: do you have a uh, favorite part in fantastic mr fox a part that jumps out as like well i love that part
1: um i remember getting the chills like like the 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 rhyme about (laughs)
0: like that whole
1: scene when they're breaking down the three dudes mm. and it's like done in this almost horror like macabre vincent price oh style. Total. i mean the, the it, whole
0: movie seems to have like wanted to borrow some of the spirit of nightmare before christmas
1: yeah there's the rat thing whatever the rat's scary (laughs) which is pretty scary and i think that's pretty memorable as well but for whatever reason that voiceover song or whatever it is Mm -hmm. at at that scene i remember was like like, this is really effective Mm -hmm. and the bill Murray, uh you cussing with me dude the you cussing with me
0: is one of the one of the greatest greatest comedy bits of cinema it's like, so good it's on the same list as like marx brothers like yeah, that it, scene alone is so funny it's Cussing really really me. funny you Cussing Cussing with with me? Me? cuss with me i'm me. not yeah, yeah. <laughs> you little cuss and then they're like
1: <laughs> yeah the cuss stuff is is fantastic
0: oh, um keep using that <laughs> adjective fantastic it's really easy to throw it in yeah. <laughs> when you're talking about this one i uh i think that it might be my favorite jason schwartzman performance in a wes anderson film oh well come on hey i'm just saying he is so good as what is it cody come on when he when max he,
1: fisher come on I,
0: max fisher's amazing dude no doubt about it but when he his first little scene he comes out in that iconic i know but just hear me out he comes out and he's like i'm sick and she's like no you're not i don't want to go to school well you have to go i'm not going I, I forget exactly what he says about that first little i think it's his first line in the whole thing and it just cracks me up every time yeah and the whole the, dude the owen wilson's breakdown meanness. of the whack bat shit you don't know how to play yeah. whack bat <laughs> and he does the <laughs> yeah. whole thing about just to, you got to light the pine cone on fire and then you. <laughs> yeah so oh, great man That's so creative great. Oh yeah,
1: is that is that in the book? I have not read the book.
0: You know what's funny? I uh, I went through a little roll doll phase in probably like fifth grade, where I read Matilda and then Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, and then I got Fantastic Mister Fox, and I left it at the beach, and I never oh. and I never finished it. I don't even know if I properly started it. Like I might have read a couple of pages or looked at the pictures or something, but I just have a memory of not reading Fantastic Mister Fox.
1: What a bum- <laughs> what a sad story.
0: Yeah. <laughs> i left it at the beach never found it again <laughs>
1: I, I mean at least you're at
0: the beach i guess yeah but, I, uh, that, that book probably got turned into rolling papers so by you know go well, go hobo joint papers <laughs> brought to you by Doll. uh
1: well anyway if, it, if whoever came up with the whack bat thing is uh is it was, it was really funny really really yes.
0: funny um there is a a moment that i i wanted to touch on because it's always been one of my favorite parts of the movie and then i mm-hmm. was reminded of it while watching royal tenenbaums last night so check this out um i forget the name of the kid it's like the cousin or whatever that comes to stay with mr fox um his parents died or whatever so he comes right. to stay with them and He's the one who's good at whackbat, and he's the one who gets brought on mm-hmm. the heists and all that. Um, but there's that scene where they're having their it's the first night in the bunk beds, and I forget what he says, but then Jason Schwartzman's like, I've had it up to here with the sad house guest routine. And the kid starts sniffling and crying, and Jason Schwartzman character notices and he comes down and he turns on the little train set, and the kid gets out of mm-hmm. the bed and they just watch it's it. very sweet. It's, it's a very, very sweet little moment. Mm-hmm.
1: and and relatable everyone's been there where you're where you cross where you cross a line with a friend where you are trying to be mean and you're a little too mean and then you immediately are like well that was shitty let's do something nice together yeah nobody meant that
0: right and it's just like it's so perfectly put together and all the more impressive because every single beat of it is being done shot for shot but Mm -hmm. I was reminded because in watching Royal Tenenbaums last night, uh, if you recall, Ben Stiller's character, Chaz, his wife has died in a plane crash. The two boys and the dog survived the plane crash. And yeah. so now Chaz is a st- nervous wreck. The first time we see Ben Stiller as the character, he's running a, like a fire drill in his apartment. Right. They, they wind up going and staying at mom's house. He gets the boys all set up in his old room says goodnight and he's like you know what and he comes back in and unrolls the sleeping bag and he's like let's all just stay together and little uzi the one on the top bunk does the exact same thing it's the whole same moment he looks down at his dad comes down the ladder goes and lays right next to him in the exact same way yeah with his hands behind his head and it's just like this must be from one of these guys either Owen wilson or wes anderson or one of these guys they keep putting it in the movie because it just it must have happened to them man it must like how do you use it as like a plot device twice when it's so it feels yeah. so real and specific it has to come from real there life. Was a i'm moment, convinced
1: there, there was a moment where they had some sort of compassionate uh, or some sort of sympathy sympathy for an older relative or something along that lines where they're like let's just be together and you know.
0: Uh We're be there safe for each other. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I got your back, you got mine. I love you. We're both yeah. hurting. All of that.
1: <laughs> we don't have to talk. We can just share a train set or lay on a sleeping bag.
0: And by golly, it's just the sweetest. It's very sweet. <laughs> I uh to to shift gears a little bit.
1: Anderson, <laughs> you son of a me bitch, have feelings, you son of a bitch.
0: I came here for I a to <laughs> Yeah.
1: I wanted got to Bill Murray
0: say something, not cry. Exactly. Um but uh would uh, to switch gears a little bit cuz I I know that uh you prefer uh this this before Fantastic Mr. Fox period. What you would say without putting words in your mouth. What? Royal Tenenbaums or Life Aquatic? Is it is it Yeah, it's a toss, a toss up? it's
1: it's a toss up in the sense that I think Tenenbaums is his best movie and most rewatchable movie.
0: Let's get into that. What why why his best? I I I
1: think all the characters are just really well drawn. Uh it's a little bit more dramatic but still has that whimsy um Performances are especially good. Gene Hackman, one of his last performances. Uh, I don't know. There's just the music is fantastic. Great soundtrack. Great,
0: Uh, great soundtrack.
1: (laughs) And, you know, the the little hidden Easter egg jokes Mm -hmm. and all the kids' rooms and all the. I, I just think it's a perfect movie. It is very,
0: very, very, very good.
1: It's really good. <laughs> uh, it's, I think it might be two hours, might be a little over two hours, and it just flies by. It like, does. There's, there's uh, no turning it off at any point, or no lull. It's Mm-mm. just, it goes.
0: I, um, I hadn't watched it in a while, and I watched it last night, and uh, I kind of forgot how dark it is. It, yeah i, I mean, mean it, like and not chance, just not just yeah, the yeah. luke wilson needle in the hay scene like there's oh, there's plenty of dark. Yeah. i mean like that's our you know easily the darkest moment of the film also like ex, ex, what's the, excruciatingly beautiful to watch <laughs> uh yeah but um like i just kind of forgot how even it like the whole movie is, is very funny, has a terrific sense of humor, but all of the characters are so tragic. Like Eli they're Cash, their Owen Wilson's character, all... how he sends the clippings to the mom, and how he yeah. is a terrible friend to Richie and he is a terrible lover to Margot. <laughs> like he's basically no, just terrible in every comedy, way. but he hates it's a himself,
1: comedy please. about a bunch of people in a family that are all experiencing sadness or grief and they're all just completely miserable and not in like a fun way. They're like legitimately in pain and it's a comedy. (laughs) So to pull that off is pretty impressive.
0: I wonder how much of it comes together because of Alec Baldwin's narration.
1: uh i mean <laughs> it's, it's a joke I, JT. I, do, do you i do love you, alec Baldwin's inspiration
0: in the movie
1: i know i i i uh wonder do you listen to his podcast Mm-mm. here's yeah. the thing with alec baldwin
0: no I. Should. It's, it's
1: really good it's it's excellent but the reason because he speaks like that uh, uh on the show and it's just soothing he so i a lot of the time with some of my favorite podcasts, if the, if the guest is not necessarily someone I'm interested in hearing for an hour or something, I'll not listen, Mm -hmm. but with him, you know, his interviews are like 35 minutes and just listen to his, he could talk to anybody just to, Dude, so you run the,
0: the waste management in exactly, in What's exactly. That like <laughs> and I'll just
1: be like, I'll listen to this conversation. You keep talking, Baldwin.
0: Oh man,
1: but uh, um, I think I think it helps. I don't think it hurts.
0: It sure don't. Um, the, I, I guess
1: I... I will take I will take early. Early Anderson.
0: He yeah and you can he's...
1: take Mr. Fox on.
0: <laughs> I I will gladly take it. I i think uh we didn't even really get into a Grand Budapest Hotel at all. Um, but look at us. Here take we are. Away. We're gonna do it right now. Uh where, where do you think of that one? You think because it, it was, if I'm not mistaken, it was his most uh like Academy nominated, appreciated film. Um uh. As
1: as far as a, a complete, it was like a real
0: dark horse to win Best Picture that year.
1: Uh, I think it's his second best, second best movie. As far as like we're talking about a, a, a
0: top to bottom story, character, look, feel, complete,
1: most complete movie. I think yeah. it's behind Tenenbaums. It's like, oh, well, I don't know, Mr. Fox is up there. I, you it's, see it It's still? It's, it's it's upper tier. I would mm-hmm. say top uh, top 3. I'd be yeah. safe to call it top 3. Totally. Um I think it's one of his more rewatchable ones too. You could hop in at any moment and be like, "Oh, I I'm, I'm good for 40 minutes of this."
0: Definitely. Also, uh I'm a sucker for anybody that has the wisdom to utilize F Murray Abraham. Oh yeah. <laughs>
1: Talk about a voice. That guy it-
0: I fucking love him. <laughs> I do too. He's just so underused and he's seemingly around. He's around. I know. <laughs> you he know is. what I mean? So unless he just he doesn't want to work him. that often, like he's just not Did you not, see him on Louie? I pro- probably I I kind of forget. Did you ever see him on Louie? I've definitely watched He was like the most Louis or goes- all of Louie.
1: But I don't yeah, remember. Yeah, it was like he was like it. a Hollywood an old school
0: manager like mm-hmm. New York talent manager or something. Mm. Um, he uh he's got that brief cameo in inside Lewin Davis. Yes. Where he well, runs that my favorite scene. It's a great scene. Fuckin did it. I did we talk about that? I feel like we might we might have. Oh, because we did a top five live on Instagram. Uh, for any of you, oh, who right. are curious about that, we'll probably do another one of those soon. But, uh, and, yeah, that's it, right. I think the, it came up music, with one of those, yeah, the mu- the music, m- or music movies, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, yeah, we right. we chatted about that scene, but Great.
1: uh, we yeah. don't have to rehash that then, no, no, no.
0: But, um, um, no, uh, Tilda Swinton's makeup is so good in Grand Budapest Hotel,
1: <laughs> is that her thing now? Is she just, just being heavily made up? Where, yeah, why well, not? Like, uh, I just was, you know, thinking Fuck about it. Suspiria, where she was like, "I'm gonna be three, pl- three people. One of them's an eighty year old dude, whatever." This is what I do now. Snowpiercer. Yeah. She's like got those wild, wild teeth. teeth in her. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. She's just
1: she's a awesome. proper
0: chameleon, man. She wants, she wants to disappear. She wants you to only know she's in it after you look it up. Yeah.
1: She just appears into rules literally she She's taking I mean, it too no. serious, man.
0: Yeah. Um Ray finds has never been funnier.
1: That's his, his best. I think his I mean well, <laughs> stuff well like, so buttless, he he does dark and intense. List. I mean he on. does
0: dark and intense like better than anybody, but his fucking humor yeah, is so underused, and Wes Anderson got him to just fucking flow, man.
1: Well, just how he's able to spit out that like almost Shakespearean language. Well, I think at times Shakespeare, doesn't he? <laughs>
0: yeah. He's spitting either Shakespeare toolbar. or some poetry or uh, I forget.
1: But he's, uh, it just, you know, he do, he's able to do these long takes where he's just, uh, you know, spouting this dialogue and yeah, he is uh, really dryly funny I think it's one of his best performances, just like uh, Hugh Grant in uh, Paddington Two. Mm. Like the same, just kind of like all out comedic, Dude. but you know, not uh, almost hammy.
0: Yes, but very old school. Very you know, well uh, almost like you know, Marx Brothers Vaudevillian, yeah, that thirties. Slapsticky mm-hmm. sort of, but but very British. Yes, like the very exactly. British end of that.
1: Emotive.
0: Yeah. All right. I have I have a couple of random, just like this is just where my brain goes. But I have some just random generic questions for you. Okay. Who do you think is the most Wes Andersony actor that he works with? Like the when you think, th- like when, when you when th- you like style. when you when you think of Wes Anderson. Who do you think of
1: that who who plays into his style the most? Sure, huh? Of his players, I don't know. I don't know why Ed Norton like popped into my head first, but um, I wouldn't necessarily associate him with Wes Anderson. Um, that's a good question. Everyone that his characters are so different, just because he. Uh, you know draws them up mm-hmm. like like harvey keitel has never played this the harvey keitel type uh in a wes anderson movie no like he was in the prison in oh well wait in my kingdom is, he's basically he, the wolf <laughs> yeah but then he's in prison he's the tattooed like old og hans <laughs> yes. but then he's the boy scout leader
0: how great is that prison nice break game. section of grand budapest oh my god you just reminded me <laughs> isn't there a prison break section or oh no it's, it... it's
1: wonderful it's yeah like...
0: jesus it's so
1: good yeah and it's and it's film like uh you know it's filmed fantastic like, mr uh, fox <laughs> animation yeah yes. exactly where it's like light goes on ladder comes down they all yep yep fall. it's awesome
0: so to, to answer my own question uh, I would I would probably say that Bill Murray to Wes Anderson is probably like, yeah. it's like Samuel L. Jackson to Quentin Tarantino. Like you expect him to show up and he's gonna he's I either gonna be true, in one yeah. little shot or he's gonna be like the main guy. He's either Steve Zissou yeah. or he's answering the phone in Grand Budapest.
1: <laughs> so I, I guess I'm taking uh, Wes Anderson collabos with Owen Wilson
0: yeah that's as far that's, as like
1: writing partners and you're yeah. going Roman Coppola and Bombach.
0: I guess I thought it did Bombach only do Life Aquatic or what else did or no do? no
1: maybe I'm taking Bombbach.
0: I think I'm more like the Jason Schwartzman Roman Coppola Wes Anderson team but goddamn man him and Owen Wilson really did crush the beginning of the 2000s because I, yeah, I guess we'll wait Rushmore's 90 late 90s 98, 98 99 one of those 98 okay. 99 but still I mean those that bottle yeah. rocket Tenenbaums Rushmore, tenenbombs bombs like I don't think Owen Wilson gets enough credit as a writer because he he's worked on three of the best American films of the last 25 years. You there um yeah <laughs> all, all of a sudden i'm, I'm like am i, I am here am I, I'm, I'm alone on this one <laughs> can you hear me i can hear you baby okay uh
1: yeah i i uh owen wilson
0: yeah solid solid, solid. solid. i don't know where to go with that yeah yeah you're right all right He's, here's here's another random question for you well what else has he done besides the
1: the stuff with wes anderson writing if, wise
0: fuck if i know but i mean that's plenty. okay
1: uh, <laughs> i agree that's plenty but He man. went the actor but the, but then he at the same time was doing like wedding crashers and shit so he was like making hey, that money trying to secure the bag over here and uh maybe we'll write something together some other day and he's like oh, i'm gonna go do this fancy shit
0: wow <laughs> that's wow. my that's my impression hey, i guess wow uh okay here's another random Pretty question good. for you we've gotten we've gotten the who in rushmore the beatles and royal tenenbaums david bowie and steve Zissou, life aquatic who who do you think should get a bunch of music in a wes anderson movie wow. Dylan or something wow wow that's that's an wow. incredible question uh, wow. <laughs> uh.
1: Well, um I I because also I guess like Hank Williams because... gets a lot of
0: music in Moonrise Kingdom. So there's there's always a, a somebody.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I was going to say because I was on a Scorsese kick recently, I'm now obsessed with the band.
0: Hey, all right. I love the band. I'd be lis- cool.
1: I listened I listened to the band all the time and I'm just like, "Oh, if he did like a bluegrassy, bluegrassy western kind of throwback, 50s era dude i'd watch the shit out of a wes anderson
0: western yeah i would watch the shit out of that can we get one of those can we can we call up a western anderson yeah we need a western anderson picture please oh that was a stretch i'm sorry it's okay who's the lead in that movie
1: oh harvey keitel is the, <laughs> the sheriff the retiring he's sheriff. 90 <laughs> yeah he's the retiring sheriff
0: and he's the main that's who that's who's gonna lead this picture
1: well no he's retiring i'm sure i'm sorry harvey you gotta die halfway through this thing and who takes over as sheriff hmm. but um uh jason
0: schwartzman sure Sure, why not? All right, here's another super random question. Well, first of all, I I, I second this uh, obviously this Western idea. I would I'd
1: take what Jason Schwartz is like, It's got to be somebody else.
0: Okay, I but Timothy I Timothy Chalamet. I would say, oh yeah, totally. Um, is it in French Connection or whatever? Or French, French dispatch? dispatch? Yeah. Um, I actually read a pretty cool quote from Wes Anderson about Timothy Chalamet, where he was just like working with him on this film. It's like you just wish that he existed during the French New Wave because he speaks French and he just has like the perfect face for French New Wave black and for white for
1: Fellini or not for, Fellini for uh, for
0: like Truffaut, Godard, Truffaut, you know, yeah, like that whole. He mm-hmm. should have been in Jules and Jim, you know, like something yeah. like that because the guy speaks French. God, you know what? Timothy Chalamet is really good. Yeah, you know he learned how to play piano for Call Me by Your Name. Yeah, this guy—he's—he's he's got um, DiCaprio trajectory written all over him. He might as well have it tattooed on his fucking eyeballs.
1: Yeah, be like, all right, this is like—he, I even think he's at a point in his career where DiCaprio was at, uh, like pre-Titanic, post This Boy's Life. So what? You where think, he's you like,
0: Goon is gonna be his Titanic
1: i don't think people are going to see dune like they saw titanic but i think it's going to be his first quote-unquote blockbuster if people can go back to theaters when it comes out or you know it's you know actually you know.
0: kind of cool i'm just realizing he's kind of managing to pull off like a leonardo dicaprio trajectory with a heath ledger career I hope not. Well, the the roles, the movies that he's getting to do, because like, yeah, you know what I mean. Like he's getting to do kind of really cool shit with really cool directors, and then like, but mainstream Hollywood isn't leaving him behind either. But he's really like an indie darling. How about like a Brad Pitt? Yeah. I mean, any any of those guys? Any like what James Dean should have gotten to do?
1: (laughs) Yeah, and let's just hope he doesn't go all fucking buck
0: wild and- he seems like a healthy kid he seems like he's gonna be well,
1: yeah well like you were saying he's like learned how to play piano and he speaks like four languages and shit like this guy is no dummy
0: he's no dummy we're gonna keep him around Good he's probably him. vegan <laughs> you know he probably takes care yeah. of himself anyway yeah. okay uh but well, no. I, I would i would say with the, i just to briefly finish it up uh like in french or something like johnny cash music
1: yeah yeah
0: all like french johnny cash
1: oh yeah if we're going if we could play with language yeah i guess of course right. you can
0: because portuguese david Bowie i know i was just, i
1: was i wasn't even thinking about that but yeah
0: man brilliant so that's that's where i'd go with that all right here's uh here's another one for you um yeah drop it is there uh is there a, a, a wes anderson movie out there no let me rephrase is there a movie out there that you think wes anderson should have made instead of somebody else
1: Oh, like maybe something that was made, but with his style would have been elevated. Yeah. Oh.
0: Anything, any, any, any period of time, any part of the world, anything.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what, if, what if, okay. I'm, I think just because he's a, he does ensembles. That's what he does. What if he did like, what if he made, Ooh, it's a mad 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 world i know we just talked about that but uh hey wes anderson's version of that would be cool too like a re or a remake uh Uh, what about like the bank job hey all right some some
0: i have a very i have a very random one has he done a heist movie i mean fantastic is also yeah damn it all right they're both ice movies Oh, uh, Life Aquatic. <laughs> yeah, there. Okay. It's all, he only does heist movies. Shit. Well, uh, then perfect. I was gonna say, and this is very random, but I would love to see Wes Anderson's The Blues Brothers.
1: Ooh, a musical.
0: You know what I mean? But like yeah. that would be that would absolutely be the type of musical he would gravitate towards.
1: Oh, but you know whose musical I would whose Blues Brothers might be better hmm. is like Michelle Gondry's. Mm,
0: mm-hmm. Totally I'd watch the hell out of that, I would too, or Edgar Wright,
1: <laughs> yeah, either yep, exactly, look at that like those two guys know music,
0: yeah all right, <laughs> ruin ruin a movie by having it be directed by Wes Anderson. <laughs> oh uh, can I do one immediately? No. oh yeah, please, midSomar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's just instantly
1: not scary it's do you just... <laughs> think do you think Wes Anderson could pull off a horror movie
0: absolutely I mean I haven't seen him build a whole lot of tension so exactly, I don't know yeah so I, I think know, the only actually.
1: tension he's ever built is in that fantastic Mr. Fox where I was like oh well, in, in Grand Budapest there's
0: a couple times where you think like the Nazis might kill somebody or oh
1: whatever. I guess in the stopped train or
0: whatever yeah that's kind of tense but
1: yeah, like Wes Anderson's Hateful Eight would be
0: very so, strange. <laughs> yeah, oh man. Okay, ruin 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 another one. Ruin a movie by having it be directed by Wes Anderson. What,
1: ruin a movie directed by? Uh, well, I'm I, I got to do ensemble again, so I'm gonna have to say like, uh, <laughs> what about Wes Anderson's Gosford Park? Something like some. But Altman. I think that
0: would be great. <laughs> I, I
1: think it would be great too because it's Wes Anderson's little upstairs downstairs, downstairs
0: comedy would be so yeah, good. Yeah, it's
1: really be funny. Yeah. <laughs> um,
0: Because you get to, and you know that he would do like the camera through like the cut in half house where like so, we go up and we see them and we go back down and we go Wes back. Wes Anderson's. Yeah. I, you know what? Hunter. Okay, check this out. I would watch the shit out of Wes Anderson's remake okay. of The Rules of the Game.
1: Rules of the Game.
0: Je, Je, Jean Renoir. Oh, yeah, yeah.
1: Of course, of course. I would watch the, the shit the out
0: of Wes Anderson's remake of that. It's from '39, actually, just to be a dick about it.
1: I, uh, I, I, but just, it's an upstairs
0: I, downstairs thing as well.
1: Yeah, I just thought of uh, Wes Anderson's um, The Deer Hunter
0: when they're <laughs> oh, when they're man.
1: slapping each other uh, or when they're doing a Russian roulette. It would, mm. The camera would just go back and forth and back and forth. Like he always does. Yeah. I mean, visually, it
0: would be pretty uh, awful. <laughs> Who do you think has been the most inspired by Wes Anderson?
1: That's mm, working now?
0: Yeah. And uh, is, there, is there anybody that like is? See, trying, I think is he's just trying to do what he's doing.
1: I don't think so. I think his his style is just so uh, singular, purposeful, and singular. Yeah, that's I mm-hmm. think what the appeal of it that that is a is good for him because anyone that even attempts something similar is just going to be labeled as a knockoff there's right. literally no one that does what he does
0: i think so um he i think in their own way alone. in their own way uh who are the guys who made the lego movie in 21 jump street miller and lord oh
1: yeah, that's a good point. They yeah, might the, they um, might
0: have a little bit of that seeping into their DNA a little bit. Cuz yeah. it's like you know they've seen them.
1: Yeah, of course. I and, think uh,
0: I think they might borrow a, a little bit here and there, especially yeah. in the Lego movie or um Spider-Man.
1: Well, then you know what I think maybe influenced a lot of Wes Anderson maybe <laughs> uh, and this I never really put this together and I wonder if he's even if anyone's ever asked him about it is uh like the da- naked gun movies oh. and uh police squad and all that because
0: airplane and whatever Yeah,
1: airplane you watch those and there's like the background there's yeah. 20 different jokes going on at any given time.
0: Yeah, if I'm you're you're totally right. If you think about it he's just like the the Ivy League version of of that sense yeah. of humor. Like he's just like the it, stuffy intellectual version <laughs> yeah without of, i'm i'm making him sound you know whatever but. no no it's
1: it's i think it's a uh, i think it's a legitimate comparison it's like
0: highbrow family guy <laughs> yeah yeah totally it's, it's, it's fun so, that's cool yeah.
1: well there's a reason why people love the shit out of all those things yeah yeah um, um i don't know i i think uh so so mr fox is your favorite
0: I, I, think I think so. Think and and then and then so I Royal Tenenbaums has always been one of my favorite movies of all time. What made you
1: watch that last night, by the way? Just
0: just I, I hadn't seen it in a long time. And uh, Lauren, my girlfriend, she hadn't uh, she'd never seen it. And uh, oh, wow. And I knew that we were going to be talking about Wes Anderson. So I was like, yo, you want to watch Royal Tenenbaums right now? And she was like, sure. So we watched what would she think. She loved it. She really dug it. Yeah she laughed at the same part that I laughed at which is uh when fucking Pagoda just goes, you son of a bitch, and stabs him. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, and he, then immediately he's like, okay, let's go get you That's uh, That's the up. last
0: time you stick a knife in me, Pagoda. <laughs> yeah, <it's>
1: like, <laughs> I like that it's like the third time he's been stabbed. By oh,
0: man. there's so, Okay, there's so many little details in that movie that I saw last night that maybe I hadn't seen before. The first time they go to... Uh, no, well, no, earlier than that, because they show like uh, we're reading like the book of the Tenenbaums, right? So it'll mm-hmm. be like chapter two, chapter one, chapter whatever. Two, yeah. chapter three is on page 121. <laughs> and I just thought that was so funny. <laughs> like, how long is the goddamn first two chapters? <laughs> yeah, this is a, a long ass book. <laughs> so that that cracked me up. But then also the first time we go to Eli Cash's, is that his name? yes owen wilson's character we go to his apartment there's this one shot where we like shoot the camera over and he's like standing in a doorway and in the foreground is just a massive stack of vhs porn yeah (laughs) and like for whatever reason i had never noticed it before and i was just like yeah what and and it takes up the bulk of the frame i don't know why it hadn't registered and you know what else is
1: what you know what else is in that is in the corner is an open closet and it's just full of weed plants. It's just
0: oh see I did the entire the entire
1: the entire next room is all is all weed plants.
0: So good. So he's
1: growing weed uh he's got the VHS porn all over the place. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He's just living a, a nightmare.
0: Wes Anderson is so good at making fake shit seem real that, like, Richie is sitting around reading a a book that says three plays by Margot Tenenbaum. And Mm -hmm. I'm just like, I wish I could read those plays because I feel like they're written. Like, I feel like they're real. Like, that's a,
1: that he he probably gave that book to uh, Gwyneth Paltrow, be like, read this because this is what your character wrote. And it's like 300 pages long. And you're like, Jesus Christ, man. Yeah.
0: There's also in in bomb specifically, because I watched it last night, there's so many random shots that seem very expensive to get and it's just for like five seconds.
1: That's what we were talking about earlier, where right, I was just like, like how he needs you know, money. <laughs> if he wants it, yeah, if you want to make a, his style of movie, he just didn't have the money to do it for bottle rocket. He's like, We can afford to shoot outside this big rundown factory. That's all <laughs> we got.
0: So. Like think think about it. There's there's a shot towards the beginning where Richie is on a boat right because he's Mm -hmm. like doing a year cruise or whatever and he answers a telegram and he reads the telegram out on the on the side of the ship and like we're on the boat for real in the water running the ship and i'm just like this shot was five seconds long he opens the letter and is like can i get off in halifax or whatever and like that's it and i'm just like that's the only time that we ever see the exterior of this boat and so i'm nitpicking obviously but like the just the amount of times that little things like that happen where it's just like is there a green yeah. screen or did you go shoot in front of a giant cruise ship that said the name that you said it was called because <laughs> everything's right. a made-up name like every hotel is not actually the real you know it's not the plaza in new york it's the something palace hotel mm-hmm. yeah That's like everything is like In the Wes Anderson universe.
1: Yeah, it all lives in this little weird kind of farcical bubble Mm -hmm. where I think all of his movies... Like, we were talking about his movies don't have cell phones. Like, I think this just exists in Wes Anderson world. And this is what movies look like in that world. And you're like, all right, cool. We don't have cell phones and everyone... (laughs) Like, uh, just lives in these weird little organic rooms.
0: I am... I have a brief uh, anecdote or I don't know if that's correct. It's like a random little thing I want to say about Isle of Dogs. Okay, If we have to. It should have been a short.
1: It's it's not good.
0: It should have been an animated short film. I agree. And he should have won I, an Academy Award that... for animated short film. <laughs> yeah. I, it should have been 12 minutes long. And I don't get it. I've, I don't oh, get it. I I'm like, what I want to see in the short film is I want to I want to see the setup where the dogs have this thing and they all go to this trash island. I want to see the Japanese kid go get the dog and I want to see just like a tiny version of the, oh no, is he going to succeed? And then he gets the dog. 12 minutes. <laughs> same cast, yeah. everything about it the same, but the 12 minute version. We don't meet up with the resistance voiced by uh what's her name lady bird yeah uh,
1: sure, uh greta gerwig Sherverone. greta gerwig is greta, greta
0: gerwig it's like little r- yeah r- yeah
1: r- yeah, r- yeah, r- yeah the, r- the r- mud <laughs> or whatever yeah
0: yeah uh i'm just like get rid of that get get rid of everything keep the one scene with florence, <laughs> where florence uh mcdonough is that her name why can't i remember anybody's name florence mcdermott what, what is the- who the fuck am I talking about? <laughs> she's in Fargo. Fra- the main... Francis McDormand. Francis. What the fuck did I say? Florence McDonough? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, th- I thought you were trying to say Florence oh, Pugh. I was like, I don't think she's in that man. No, I need to. I need to go to the doctor apparently and get my brain looked at. All right. Uh, maybe we wrap this up. Maybe we should. That's what we should do. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Long story short, Fantastic Mr. Fox is great. Royal tendon bombs is a masterpiece and Isle of Dogs should have been a short film
1: and you and I I like your uh, hypothesis that mr. Fox is the turning point in his career where I, I he's think it is really man.
0: I think it has is. matured
1: I, as an artist
0: I think we're all we're all better for for him making that one because he got better and yeah. we we got better at seeing what he does
1: yeah all right
0: dope hey uh so yeah talking about wes anderson very good time uh we're gonna do a fun thing jt you and me we're gonna do a fun thing next time yes we are we're gonna do a uh, we're gonna re nominate and re-award the 1994 academy awards yeah it's gonna be fun it's gonna be super fun
1: I got, I got some issues good. with those Oscars.
0: Well, there's a lot of good that was, movies that, that came out that year. year. It is a magnificent year for film. So that'll be a fun little game for us to play. And uh, I'm looking forward to it. Dude, I'm glad right, you came buddy. and hung out and talked about Wes Anderson with me.
1: Yeah, that was a lot of fun. Uh, till next time, brother.
0: Yeah, this episode is brought to you by MoviePass, Blockbuster, and Napster. <laughs>
1: I love that you end with this every time. Yeah,
0: man. You got to keep it consistent for the kids. (laughs) All right, brother. I'll talk to you next time. Much love, JT. I'll keep it real. You keep it real. Later. Bye.